Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm Kat Farrance and I'm founder of The Movement for Modern Life, known as the Netflix of yoga. In this podcast, I'll be exploring ways that we can all move more freely towards a healthy, happy and sustainable life. I'll be experts in a variety of different fields. I'll be sharing with you some of my tips and tools that I have in my toolbox so you can take your small steps towards a healthy, happy, sustainable life. Hi, I'm Kat Farrance, founder of Movement for Modern Life, and welcome to the 12th part in our Champions of Change series. In this series, I interview people who inspire change, who are able to see life differently. And today it's Lucy McCarthy's turn. She is the most popular teacher on Movement for Modern Life. And in this interview, I think you'll see why. She manages to distill very ancient yogic wisdom in a really down-to-earth way. So when I wanted to find out about the koshas, because to be honest, even though I've done a yoga teacher training, I'm not great on yoga philosophy. And I get my koshas muddled up from my doshas and who knows where I am. So I thought I'd ask Lucy about them and how they relate to us. What have the koshas done for us lately? Anyway, with no further ado, I really hope you enjoy this chat. And I think you'll also find, as well as the koshas, you're able to pick up some really good tips from Lucy about how she incorporates this yogic wisdom into her everyday life. This is a super down-to-earth, accessible conversation, and I really hope you enjoy it. Over to Lucy. Today, I am joined by a real champion of change, Lucy McCarthy. Lucy, you were one of the first teachers to join Movement for Modern Life. What's that, seven years? I was. Yeah, way back then. (laughs) Way back then. And you are, I think, the most popular teacher on the site, which is... And I think the reason for that is because you are the real deal you're incredibly accessible but you have you've dedicated your entire life to yoga you're not somebody who's just sort of doing it as you know you're very good at marketing and da 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 and yoga happens to be like no 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 you are the real deal you have and also I'm not very good at marketing either <laughs> you're really not. And, and it's just coming from a place of yeah total passion like and I haven't even chosen this either really like it just completely I'm surprised that this is how my life's unfolded and turned out, but it has. And it continues to totally thrill me and excite me. Like, I feel like part of the thing I love about it so much is, like, I feel it's so rich and deep that it's going to keep me interested and questioning and learning for my entire life and maybe in lifetimes beyond. Who knows if there are some. I, I get that feeling about you that you're taking every training, you're delving into everything, you are just uncovering. You're you're a bit like me with the podcast. I'm just exploring and you are just mm-hmm. on this magical mystery tour of yoga. And you've yeah, got totally. one of the deepest like breadth of knowledge of any teacher who I know, which is the reason why I can just say to you, Lucy, let's talk about the koshas. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, bless you. Yeah, I'm, I'd love to talk about the koshas. Yeah, that that was my chosen topic for today. But I'm going to have really interested because you said yoga. You're surprised that you're here. Where did you think you'd be? God, I don't know. Actually, I mean, I really don't know. Yeah. Partly because I haven't spent that much time kind of pre-planning my life because that's not really the kind of person I am. I'm more just a uh, 
follow my nose, follow the adventure and, and see what happens. But, you know, I didn't, you know, grow up at school thinking when I grow up, I'll be a yoga teacher, <laughs> partly because that wasn't even a thing when it I was at school. <laughs> but, you know, um, I trained as an actor. I was an actor, basically. And then, you know, the universe had a different plan for me because my very first job out of university took me to India. And then I was in India and I thought, well, I'm in India for six months on this job. I should probably try yoga. And I literally went to class one day and actually it wasn't even a class really. It was like the people whose house we were staying at. Uh, they were like, oh, we know a yogi. He lives over the road. Like, do you want us to get him to your roof, like this rooftop and he'll teach you? I was like, sure. And then I went, he didn't speak any English. <laughs> I obviously did not speak Hindi, but he taught me yoga. And then I just got up the next day and I went. And then before I knew it, I'd gotten up every day for six months to go to yoga. And I didn't really even question it really. I just, something, you know, something bigger than my logical, rational mind was pulling me into it. And I kind of have never looked back, but you know, even then, it also, I don't feel like I've ever necessarily made an overt decision. Oh, now I'm going to become a yoga teacher. That also just very kind of seamlessly flowed. Mm. Just almost by essentially what I now understand as by saying, saying yes to my inner heart's dictates, essentially like listening and just sort of following that, the passion of my heart rather than the logic or the, the rationality of my brain, basically. Oh, that is, I think that there, there, that's the trick to life. It has yeah. the surrendering to how you feel inside. And that's so hard because so many of us have all these different voices in our heads talking about the things we should yeah. do, 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 not just, I feel like doing this and then I'm going to do it. Yeah. And what I think is really interesting about that is actually, you know, the mind always has so many preconceived ideas of like how it should be and how it wants things to turn out. But in reality, if everything our mind turned out the way we wanted it to, life would be incredibly boring, incredibly unchallenging. And actually, I think the beauty of this is that the kind of spontaneous unknown of life and how it unfolds, that's for me what is so thrilling. I'm just like, wow, like, who knows? Like, where's it taking me now? And I think, yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. And the more, I, the more I've done it, the more it's validated continuing to just, you know, not ignore the mind, but just not necessarily let that be the only thing that guides my life and my choices and my decision making, basically. Oh, yeah, I think uh, that really speaks to me. Um, I've just written a blog. And I, in fact, when I did my podcast, it was about the art of surrender. Because I think that it was like the whole movement for modern life thing was all about me. It was just letting go and giving up on sort of the plans. And it came about. It just came about. Yeah. And isn't that interesting as well? Because actually, you know, if you look at what happened to you, like the mind would have said, bad, this is a bad thing that's happening. My life is ruined. Absolutely. I've injured. Da, 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 da. And actually, in that seed moment, there was no way you could have zoomed out and known that actually, no this thing that your mind is perceiving you as bad is actually literally taking you to your destiny. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. to me, like, wow, that's it's amazing. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. Yeah, yeah. Kind of the story as well of how we met. I mean, we didn't even plan to meet. There wasn't a me stalking down Lucy. We were just introduced by somebody. and totally. we, It just kind of felt right. So we worked yeah. and that was that. Um, yeah and it's funny because you know I'd never done anything like that before 
Nice. And so, you know, if I'd followed my brain or my mind or fear, I would have just said no, but I'm just not like that. I was just like, I'm just sort of say yes. If it sounds fun and like a challenge, I'll be like, yeah, all right. So when you said, do you want to come try out doing some filming? I was like, sure. <laughs> and, and it's been a blast because we've had, yeah. Such, yeah, we've had such a giggle. You've now got, I think you've got 90 videos on movement. Yeah, Monday. I know, right? Oh, that's crazy. That's such a lot of filming time. <laughs> and also because, you know, it's like followed my journey from like, yes. you know, the early days of teaching and yep. then the shift in styles where I've learned new things, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, becoming a mother, going through pregnancy, going yes. through post, you know, it's kind of Oh, it feels funny quite emotional, and... doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because when it started out, it's like your practices were so down to earth and, you know, they still are, but it was very much like, right, here's some stretches for office users, here's some stretches for da 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 And yeah. then the forest yoga came in when you did your forest yoga training. Yeah. And then you had then sort of more esoteric threads started to get woven in. So you did yeah. the chakra series. That was a hit. Yeah. Yeah. And then, as you say, your mum's class, and now you've got your kosher series. Yeah. And, um, and, and I'm a bit scared, and I've done a yoga teacher training, and I'm a fully subscribed, you know, I love yoga, but I'm going to, hands up, I'm terrified of the koshers. <laughs> why? I mean, <laughs> but why? Though? What, what, like, what, they, because you do... They just feel like wild unicorns, like... How are we going to make these wild unicorns, which are running around, what are they and how on earth do they relate to my life? (laughs) Yeah, you know, and I think that's really interesting because I think in a way that's what I have found so fascinating about working with what would seem like these more esoteric uh, practices is actually when I've studied with really established seasoned teachers Mm -hmm is their ability to have practiced it, embodied it, and then transmit it and communicate it in a way that's very down to earth and very relatable. Um, That's been the thing that's really sparked my interest. And so actually that's what I'm trying to do in this series really is to transmit the koshas and the information and the wisdom in them in a way that feels really palatable and digestible, basically. Yeah, nice. And what have the koshas done for you lately? Well, you know, it's in a way. Like, how me, how like, do you approach them? Well, it's like a lens. It's a lens of how I see my life. It's a lens of how I work in terms of problem solving. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm sure there are some listeners who are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. The word coach. No, so they won't. Nobody. Basically, knows. it's um, this uh, yogic philosophy that the human physiological framework is made up of five bodies, and the first body is the obvious one. You know, our physical mm-hmm. bulk most dense, you know, Mm -hmm. obvious aspect of ourselves, which is our physical body. And then it slowly gets more and more subtle. So then the next Mm -hmm. one is the pranamaya kosha, which is your pranic body or your life force energy body. And it can be felt in the form of your breath, but you can can get it from different things. And so that's the next step of kind of refinement. Mm -hmm. And then the next step beyond that is the manamaya kosha, which is the the sheath, they call them sheaths, basically. Kosher mm-hmm. is translated as a sheath or a covering, mm-hmm. which is the covering of your mind. And actually, the word manas can be described as mind-heart. So this is the aspect of your thoughts and your emotions. Right. And then we go and layer subtler, which is the vinyanamaya kosher, which is the 
the sheath of your innate wisdom, your innate intuition. And then the final one is the Ananda Mayakosha, and this is your bliss body. And so it gets more and more subtle. But what I find really interesting about it is, is that when you look at it through this lens, mm -hmm. it goes from dense to subtle. Yeah. And what the ancient yogis discovered is that really in the first three, our physical body, mm -hmm. our energetic body, and our mental emotional body mm -hmm. is where most of us have most blockages and spend most of our time basically being obsessed by. So if you think <laughs> yeah. about it, and that's where it becomes really, um, I think, really present day mm -hmm. important because mm -hmm. actually if we're really honest with ourselves mm -hmm. how many of us spend time or have spent time mm -hmm. being obsessed with our physical body whether it's the way it looks or the way it perceives or what oh. we put in it absolutely you know, well that's um, all the diet the beauty industry the yeah. face cream and even to some degree the uh, yoga industry you know yes. like yeah and so the idea is, is that then, yeah, our, our pranic body can then get blockages. So they're all interrelated, even though they're in yeah. these different sheaths, they're very much interrelated. And so right. what you do to one has a knock-on effect on the other. And then we get to the mind-heart, you know, sheaths. And again, think how much time we spend preoccupied with our thoughts, what our mind is telling us, mm -hmm. or our heart, what our emotions are telling us, and mm -hmm. how many of us actually spend our time being kind of swept away by these mm -hmm. things. And so... What yoga does is it says, no, there's not, you don't need to be blocked in these areas. Mm -hmm. And then it basically gives you different practices to address and work with and essentially cleanse and clear these different sheets. And so obviously with the physical body, it's mm -hmm. the practices of things like, you know, asana postures yeah. and some breath work. And then the energetic body is much more about breath work, what we would call yeah. pranayama. And then Actually, what you know, asana and pranayama already will start to have a positive effect on your your mind and your heart. And the idea is, is once, particularly these first three, where most of us get stuck on or obsessed with, mm -hmm. if, for example, all day long, all that's happening is your mind is going blah blah blah, yeah. and you're listening to it, there is never any ability to then be silent. And in the silence, what the ancient yogis discovered is that. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's when we begin to be able to listen to and hear this innate wisdom that wells up from inside of us. Oh. And it's said that once we start to soften our attachment to or our misconception of us as individual, mm -hmm. as that begins to soften, as our identification with me as Lucy begins to soften, mm -hmm. actually then I'm able to start to be quiet enough to start to tap into basically universal intelligence, universal wisdom. And again, this might sound far-fetched, but actually every single person has had those like light bulb moments yep. where out of nowhere, you have yeah. this genius idea or you suddenly hear the solution to your problem that yeah. actually you've been actively trying to work on, but it's only when you stop yeah. that you suddenly have these answers. Oh, I and then that, yeah. Yeah, you know, and then the idea behind that is that then when all of these things, all of these she's begin to be cleansed and clear and work more harmoniously, then we begin to reclaim our innate state, which is, you know, said to be bliss. And mm. the thing that I find so exciting about that is actually if you listen to or read or investigate basically awakened beings description of enlightenment mm -hmm. irrespective of whether it's a yogi or someone from the buddhist background or someone from islam the way that they describe 
reality, true reality, ultimate consciousness Mm -hmm. is the same. And without fail, all of them talk about having this feeling of total blissful peace, goodness, freedom. And so the coaches in a way is asking us to use the yoga practices to come back to that innate place with inside of us mm. that is peaceful and blissful. Hmm. And life would be a whole lot nicer for everybody if everybody walked in that state all the time. Well, yeah. And the idea also behind this idea, again, it might feel strange or mm. sound strange to soften our sense of identification with self as individual, mm. but actually the yoga is pointing to union to understanding that actually what we usually the mind goes to difficulties or difference. We compare ourselves to others. Whereas slowly as we soften away those blockages, actually what we start to realize is that we have much more in common with other human beings than our differences. Mm. And when we start to acknowledge and realize those commonalities, Mm. our ability to be compassionate and kind and peaceful with other, whether it's other person or other plant or the earth, whatever it may be, increases tenfold when we start to slowly realize that this idea of us being separate individuals is a complete fallacy, basically. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if that makes any sense. I know I'm probably diving in uh, <laughs> too deep into the esoteric, but <laughs> well, I, I get that about the other end because that's something that we all maybe can relate to is. You know, when you see somebody in the street, you're sort of dividing them into people who are fatter than you or thinner than you or people who look like they're from the same background or who aren't. And all of the sort of othering judgments that we have about people that are really hard to unravel, you know, the innate cultural sexism, racism, all the othering we all do with one another because that's the sort of way we're taught to and it's really hard to unravel it. Yeah. And, you know, certainly in my own practice, meditation has been a huge one Mm. for addressing those because actually in the beginning, they are like unconscious judgments, you know, like you say, all of these cultural imprints we've been given. And actually, it's only when we start to sit, for example, and observe the mind, for example, like in meditation, Mm. that we actually begin to really observe like, wow, these are the unquestioned views I'm placing on the world and actually it completely affects how you move through the world like I remember one of my dear teachers Rose she said to me once and it really kind of sat with me and has stayed with me Mm -hmm. that we do not see the world as it is Mm -hmm. we see the world as we are Mm -hmm. and you know for example like you know when you're in love for example Mm -hmm. everything is sweet you know someone could be rude to you on the street you can miss a meeting and you don't care because internally you're in this state of love and joy whereas on the other hand if you wake up in a bad mood even people being nice to you irritates you and I just think that's so interesting that when we start to observe how much what we think affects how we move through the day it really starts to shift how much validation you give to those thoughts Mm. yeah that's crazy isn't it really the um, because that's our entire story. That's totally. everything for most yeah. of us as we sort of travel through life. We have, oh, I think this about this and this about this and this person is like this and this person. And the whole thing is a whole stem of judgments. And the thought of 
peeling that away is, well, frankly, a bit scary. Of course it is, yeah. And what's interesting is that it's actually a heist. You know, our mind is offering us these opinions as truth, these perspectives as truth. That's what's scary because actually taken to its farthest reach, that's where fundamentalism comes from. And I think what's so beautiful about the yoga practices and, you know, this, this concept of the koshas is that actually we can begin to kind of cleanse and clear out Mm. all of these blockages and these judgments would be viewed as like a blockage in your mental sheath for example I see and so therefore it gives you prescribed practices of how to work with these different areas of challenge in Mm. your body basically and that's what I think so amazing is that all of the different practices whether it's you know postures or breath work or meditation or concentration all of them have our specific tools to address different areas in which we are blocked and those blockages are stopping us from living as happy and as peacefully as we could do. Okay so actually working through the koshas is now it's becoming a pretty essential part if you're going to live a happy and healthy life. Yeah and it's it's just a way of viewing it you know it's just Mm. it's a way of a way of viewing it but Mm actually when you start to really be honest with yourself about how much time you spend being obsessed with the body or mm-hmm. over focusing on the mind or being completely pushed around by your emotions mm. and actually the peace that most people feel at some point in their yoga journey or in some point in their yoga practice i think that's what keeps drawing people back is that yeah. they feel a relief yeah. from that inner turbulence yeah. when they take time to move and breathe in a mindful way basically yeah it just feels like magic doesn't it there's something yeah. about yoga when you've done it for a bit and you're just like you go into this space of absolute it's it, it does feel like freedom because yeah. it's like even if it's just for a moment you don't have to worry about everything and the world just seems so rosy everything seems great and you feel great in your body and spacious and free and your mind is clear it's really mm-hmm. lovely and and I, and I suppose that's the feeling that we all have but maybe that's the coaches at work because these practices do just work on it and without us knowing <laughs> yeah 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 it's amazing yeah very interesting so this series is very um very obviously working through the layers because I mean most yoga classes well, a lot of yoga classes do work on these elements. They do the physical body, and mm-hmm. then there's something in the breathing techniques. And then, come on, Lucy, help me out. <laughs> well, look, so when you first work with the body, you know, yeah. through the postures, then you've got the breathing techniques. And actually, yeah. if, you know, I teach very much like that the breath is the key, yeah. the foundation to everything, because yeah. actually when we consciously slow our breath down, bring our awareness to our breath automatically what starts to happen is we tend to breathe slower Mm. when we breathe slower physiologically our heart rate slows down our nervous system gets calm and then the knock-on effect is that our mind starts to quieten Mm. and then when the mind starts to quieten we're then more easily able to for example sit in meditation or concentration or just a moment of stillness Mm. and it's those simple moments of stillness then that begins to allow us to hear that inner wisdom, that inner intuition, that inner voice, whatever you want to call it, the voice of your heart, the voice of your soul, then you can start to hear that. And I think when we allow all parts of ourselves to be heard and honoured, 
mm-hmm. and included and embraced and accepted, even perhaps the part of ourselves that the mind would label as not pleasant or not mm-hmm. good or whatever, then we start to drop into a place where there is more, there is more peace, yeah. you know, and actually usually, you know, a well-sequenced yoga class can take you on that journey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and with the quietness, with the meditation or the shavasana at the end. And I suppose that's why it's very important to go through that and have that journey in a yoga class. Um, yeah. And and have each of the steps. And it all sort of becomes clear because actually that's the bit where, you know, because we learn that shavasana is just sort of the body taking in what has happened physically, but actually also there's some very interesting mental shifts that happen during that rest place. 100%. I think that's really the gold dust of the practice, mm. actually, because I think that's where the integration starts to happen. Mm. And I think it is an integration of all the koshas mm. beginning to kind of recalibrate what's just happened, the shifts that have started to happen. Mm. You know, and one of my teachers actually talked about it in a very simple way. It's like almost like it's as though you're working on a document yeah. on your computer yeah. and the taking the shavasana is like pressing save <laughs> and I love that because it was like yeah of course actually That's if you great. don't take the shavasana you're kind of not saving the work that you've just done That's great. because you know if you think about the word you know yoga means union it's about trying to bring us into balance yeah and most of us and our lives right now are way out of balance in yeah. terms of the amount of doing achieving mm. action orientated validation always whereas actually Shavasana sometimes is the only time in someone's day or week where they actually give themselves permission other than when they go to bed to sleep to rest. rest. And Ah, I think so revolutionary, especially where we're at right now. Because people are nicer when they're rested. People are more, live more yogically off the mat when they're well rested. Mm. Mm. You know, I think if if your, you know, if your yoga practice isn't in the long run, positively affecting your relationship with yourself and the ease and peaceful relationship you have with others I think you have to start to question and look at what kind of practices you're doing and whether they're really serving you oh that's interesting isn't it yeah because there are so many different kinds of yoga practices and people do get um you know a bit confused about the styles at first like oh what style should I do and a lot of us start on a different style to what we end on. So yeah. um, well, I think that's also due to like the wisdom that you slowly gather as you go through, because I think often in the beginning, when we don't know ourselves so well, mm. our tendency is to go with what we're already like. Mm-hmm. So for example, you know, I previously have had a very busy mind, like yeah. very quick yeah nightmare busy mind Mm. and so of course initially I was drawn to the more dynamic practices now I still practice dynamically but it was a big game changer for me when I discovered both meditation and restorative yoga Mm. because they bought the stillness and the silence Mm. that I just did not have as a natural inner skill basically mine was speed fast quick movement yeah. you know yeah and I think those have helped bring more balance so it took me quite a few years to really find the practices that balanced me rather than took me further in the direction than my imbalance was already taking me mm. I think there's a lot of people because I was the same I also I started off doing ashtanga and vinyasa 
And I was yeah. a sort of, you know, yeah, busy, type A, accomplish, what pose am yeah. I going to do, achievement kind of person. And it really, really served. And then it was after sort of a few decades <laughs> or whatever where I kind of was able to drop into something a bit more peaceful. It's interesting because this also talks to the podcast that I did with Adriana where we talk about how radical rest is. Yeah. And this is it. So it comes back it, to the same thing. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, uh, Ayurveda, which is like the sister science to yoga, which is this kind of ancient mm. wisdom, you know, healing medicinal wisdom of India they basically point to this. They say our tendency is to go to, you know, like goes to like, basically. Yeah, right. But actually it says it's the opposite. Yeah, you're right. So like does attract like. And when we start yeah. off with our practice, we often do want something which is meets our mind in the busy place. And, you know, if we've had a busy day and you're practicing, you know, you're going to your yoga class at 7 p.m. after a busy day at work, you're not going to be able to be like, and now rest. No, totally. And, and actually, it will be initially doing what doesn't come naturally mm. is quite confrontational. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, for me, I found meditation, sitting still, being mm. quiet, you know, all of that confrontational. Like it, yeah. it, it, oh, God, it yeah. really showed me where my imbalances were. And yeah. to begin with, I just kind of wanted to look in the other direction. Mm. And then actually, slowly but surely my entire body and being just said, oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for slowing down. Thank you for finding time to be still, Mm. you know. Yeah, and it's it's giving your body that permission, which is so important. Yeah, Um, and it's, you know, especially it's very, that whole idea of rest now is very um, revolutionary, actually, in the time that we're living in, because it's not, it's not the thing that's really, put up on a pedestal as this is what you should be striving for (laughs) (laughs) no not at all people who rest are called lazy and they're all like oh work hard play hard Uh, I do all the things no pain no pain oh my god yeah all of these phrases where yeah early bird gets a worm it's not like yeah oh no take a nice nap in the afternoon and then you'll be more productive there's no phrase for that (laughs) really really should be so when we do that, when we're able to rest ourselves, then we go into which kosher are we on then? Well, when you generally start to, um, you know, calm and clear the body and yeah. then get your, your life force energy, your kind of subtle energetic body yeah. moving clearly, your mind starts to get quiet. Your emotions, it's not that we're trying to get rid of emotions, but mm-hmm. it's that they don't overwhelm you. They don't yeah. just completely bolster you from one side to the other. Yeah. Then, yeah, when you start to go into these quiet places, then mm. we start to move into what is known as the vinyana kosher, the sheath of wisdom or innate wisdom, okay. where you begin to get these essentially like, you know, inner downloads, those mo- yeah. those flashes of insight oh, yeah. or, okay. you know, those things where you're like, oh, of course, that's the solution yeah. or, oh, of course, that's what I need to do next. Yeah. And it comes from this very kind of internal organic place. And usually when we start to be engaged in that sense of listening and responding to those deep inner wisdoms, Mm. then generally we do find ourselves to be in this more blissful place. It's not permanent, I don't think, until you're fully enlightened. But it certainly starts to feel more and more familiar the more time you take to get to that place. And it's got to be true that if you're in that place of wisdom, 
then you're making the right decisions. You're making conscious choices which are working better for you, which will make you happier. So that place of wisdom of, of yeah. bliss, it's got to be closer. Yeah. So um, it would create a more peaceful life if you are able to, you know, always follow your gut instinct, not follow the crazy things in your head or the, yeah. you know, yeah, reaction. Many of us, it's very common that actually we know a long time before we act what we mm. want. Yeah. But we're actually scared to admit it for whatever reasons, mm. you know, maybe it goes against what other people think we should be doing, or maybe we just, there's a part of our ego that says, don't do that, you know, and it can take a while. It's funny. I just, I'm stopping. Cause I just, I was remembering that I read this amazing piece of wisdom in a book for this training that morning that it said the ego would rather be right than happy. Oh, isn't that you know, so and the true. ego's job to some degree is to keep the status quo of what's happening. Mm. And so sometimes, you know, our inner voice has been whispering to us, but we just sort of said, shut up. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to hear that because actually it can be scary making yeah. new life choices. It can be scary taking off those sheaths, those coats of identification of like, well, I've always been a person who does X, Y, and Z mm. to suddenly then say, oh, maybe I'm not. Mm. It takes courage to actually then really listen and then pay attention enough to then potentially act. So I think it's a slow process, this kind of getting into contact with your your inner wisdom, your intuition. But I think the more you do it, the more it starts to speak to you, actually. I think it's a kind of cumulative effect. Does that make any sense? Yeah, you know what? And, and, and I'm being a bit quiet because it just makes such total sense for where I am at the moment or what I'm going through. So I sort of, the other day, I, you know, life has been a bit sticky, you know. Sometimes it is, you know, you go through those yeah. phases where you're just like, oh, Things are sort of not going to plan and you're like, oh, what's going wrong? What's going right? But you're thinking, thinking, and I was trying to think my way through it. And then suddenly I did get a revelation in the shower. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When you probably weren't actively thinking about it. That's right. That's right. And it was such a revelation. It was just like a whole life goal thing. And I was like, oh, of course I need to do this. And now, and And that's what's like really interesting is often these moments of insight when they come. It's like incontrovertible. You know it's true and it's no, you know what you need to do. It's, yes. it's a very pure kind of wisdom and intelligence that comes through yes. when you're really in this intuitive inner mm. body wisdom, basically. And, and, and that's the reason why I suppose retreats are so good because that takes us into this place where we can all really explore what are we doing with our lives and maybe that insight will come to you, that flash of something which actually because how I felt after I'd received this sort of pearl of wisdom was Mm. energized, sparked up, ready to go, like completely, I was on a brand new mission. It's like, right, okay, on we go. And then everything else that I was doing fell into place and seemed, yeah, more peaceful, happier. I think, I think I sort of was able to relax. Yeah. And it probably was much more of an honest, authentic, truthful kind of form of wisdom and Mm. information that came through than if you just sat down and thought right I'm going to problem solve this now like it would have come through in a very heady Mm -hmm. rational small part of yourself whereas I often find these down you know these pieces of information when they come through they come through in a way that feels like it really honors the whole of who we are yeah rather than just a part of ourselves yeah absolutely and 
I suppose if this is now sounding really esoteric for folks, they <laughs> have to just practice some yoga and maybe they'll get one of these downloads because when you yeah. get one, it's hard to know. Is it the yoga that did it? I think yoga definitely does help. It does help. Yeah. And, you know, in a way, it's funny because the mind always wants to understand immediately. Yes. And, yeah, I, you yeah. know, I, I'm always humbled, you know, when there's a tradition within, you know, um, the yogic tradition, but also greater philosophical kind of uh, mm. traditions in India where you sit in what they would call like a satsang, like a sh- like a sharing where mm. the teacher will sort of talk, you know, philosophical ideas. Mm. And my main teacher, I kind of do this with, you know, he says, look, don't feel like you have to get it all now. Just trust that you're receiving what you need to receive. And that these might just be planting seeds for in one week time and one month time and one year time for like a, that moment of insight to happen. You'd be like, oh, now I get yeah. what he was saying in that yeah, moment. Yeah, so yeah. I also think, you know, in terms of even just the chat we're having, like, I think it's okay to not get everything. Like, trust mm-hmm. that you'll be receiving what right now you need to receive and what you're able to receive and mm-hmm. everything else that's meant to come will come. Oh, yes. And that's perfect. That's so, um, that's so down to earth. That's so practical because it's well, not I just even think, a you know, when I've watched my mind, my mind always, yeah. can, you know, can be like, uh, uh, neuroses, <laughs> yeah, yeah. blah, blah. But actually, then there's just a higher, smarter inner wisdom, like my intuitive body that goes, it's all good. And the minute you do that, ah, the muscles yeah. relax. You can breathe <laughs> easier. You stop frowning. Mm. And life feels easier than when the mind is always trying to like clench and understand, mm. you know, rational understanding is fabulous but it's not the only form of wisdom and it's not the only way of living in your life it's just one way that you ideally you utilize as and when it's needed but don't let it be the own like the dictator of how you're choosing to live your life basically yeah no that totally makes sense okay so thank you for that tour of the koshas and do you feel less scared of the koshas now oh my god (laughs) i'm i'm a friend (laughs) (laughs) You to, at the beginning, it was like you were some sort of scary monster. Yeah, absolutely. They were just something that was really quite irrelevant, I suppose. And just, yeah. you know, come up with by some Indian sage a million years ago who was sat in a loincloth in the Himalayas who had nothing to do with me and my understanding of yeah. my body. Yeah. <laughs> um, Interesting, you know, because that really is one of my passions is for making it accessible, you know, for making these practices accessible and usable to people. That's really, that's been a a quality I've really valued in my own teachers. That's something I really um, trying to do myself, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate that because it really, (laughs) that that really has worked. So thank you. And uh, folks will have to let us know in the comments section of the blog whether or not that has helped them. And also ask Lucy your questions. Yes, yeah, well. sure. But the next thing I wanted to just briefly touch on, if you're willing to go here, is um, just talk about how it is that you, because you are really embedded in the yogic practices. This is something which is your entire life and yourself. But also you're this very down-to-earth mum, yeah. wife. You're a normal human. So how is it that you manage to, I suppose, work these practices into your everyday life? Like, what are your routines? How do you do it? Well, yeah, it is, uh, especially since becoming a mama, it's definitely a juggling act for sure. 
But it's also, you know, in a way it circles back to the beginning of our, our conversation. I It almost feels like I don't have a choice. Like mm. now I know what it feels like to practice yoga and then it, it, it's basically my way of staying sane, <laughs> you know, staying yeah. sane and calm. Like some people are innately like that and they don't need yoga to mm. keep them calm. But that certainly has not been, you know, my story. Like <laughs> I notice how much better I feel when I do it. So mm. that's that for first. And then I would say it's about committing to the practices, even if it's just for five minutes a day. Because uh, I think, you know, the mind can be quite absolute about things like, well, either I do a 90 minute practice or I do nothing. Yeah. And I think that's a trap. And yeah. so, especially since becoming a mother, I just become even more conscious and aware about how I'm choosing to use my free time of which there's less now for sure. Oh yeah. It must be like three minutes a day, (laughs) you know? And so it's like, okay, well, what are the essential practices for me? You know, what makes me feel good? And you know, even five minutes of pranayama breath work makes me feel better. Even, you know, a short amount of meditation makes me feel better. And then, you know, to really follow through with it is that I, internally have made a commitment that at least once a year I take time out to go and be with my teachers or be on retreat where my spiritual practice becomes my priority for those days and it really does fuel the rest of the year when I'm not on the retreats it really grounds me back in it's like a remembrance that then fuels the 5, 10, 20 hour however long it is that I manage to practice every day Mm. but that way I can go to bed at night feeling like, oh, I've honored myself yeah. and I've honored my true calling, my true longing um, today. And, and that- that's so good because I think most people are just on, you know, we're all frazzled on a treadmill. Yeah, and I'm not saying in any way, I'm not trying to say it's easy. It's not easy. Mm. You know, mm. I certainly found it's a real fine balance between, because you can, you can become... I think anything can be either good or bad medicine, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, you know, we can get rigid about our practice, mm-hmm. you know, and especially if you're in relationship mm-hmm. um, or you're living with other people, mm-hmm. there has to be some flexibility around that. I think rigidity is not going to help you wake up or <laughs> become enlightened. Yeah. So, yeah. but equally always allowing yourself to not practice is not. So it's that balance of knowing mm-hmm. to what degree will you commit to the practice in a consistent mm-hmm way however many times a week you can manage that whilst also knowing that you have to balance that with moments of just throwing it out the window and letting you know being a mother for that day be your practice or you know actually saying yes to the dinner invitation instead of the yoga class I think it's you have to do it with awareness basically yeah and actually the fact is is you know yoga is such a vast thing that most of us forget and reduce it just to the time on the mat but actually for me the highest yoga is my daily life you know when you know for example you know my daughter is like challenging me or triggering me like in that moment of like okay can I take a deep breath and can I respond in the way that is in alignment with my ethics and my values that's for me like the hardest yoga or you know someone's having a bad day and they're rude to me in that moment, my yoga is to go, okay, this person is giving me this. My ego wants to give it back, but actually instead I'm going to remind myself of our commonality and try and respond to them in a way that's 
in integrity with what I believe in, you know? So I actually think also part of it is changing our perspective about what is practice as well. Oh, that's so fascinating because I love that um, thought of how we take our yoga off the mat because ultimately I don't really think it matters about the hamstrings, but it's the other stuff. It's the other yeah, but it, and it's you know, it, it all then that's where it's interesting because this does come back to the koshas because mm-hmm. they're all interrelated. The fact is, you know, a stiff, tight, stressed out body, right, doesn't allow for an easeful mind or a peaceful heart, they're all interwoven. So, mm-hmm. you know, getting on your mat and stretching is utterly important, I think, and breathing is as well. But it's all mm-hmm. interrelated, and ideally, we want all you know, all aspects of ourselves to you know, be being honoured and worked in whatever the practices and the choices we make, you know? Yeah. So it's the it's the making of choices and how you are choosing to respond to your little one when she's challenging you, to yeah. people, to those decisions. Um, yeah. And that being your yoga practice, I think is, yeah. that's pretty great. So for people who don't have time to practice, if they can make that their practice, that would be quite neat. <laughs> well, yeah. And also I think, you know, just being really honest with yourself about how you choose to allot your time. You know, I think the mind is also uh, a big liar, basically, and tries to say, I don't have time for this. But actually, you know, I'm sure you've talked about this, but, you know, phones are our modern day addictive mm. thing that everyone is, you know, pretty much privy to. Mm. And actually, most of us allow for, you know, probably an hour, maybe more mm-hmm. of just scrolling through the phone. Oh, and that's, that's such your, a time that. your time doing that. Absolutely. Where, but, you know, the mind will say, yeah, but I don't have time. And actually, the mm-hmm. fact is, is it's a choice. It's a, a choice to what to prioritize. Like, mm-hmm. do you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is, you know, turn to your phone and turn it on and scroll for 10 minutes? Or do you go, oh, no, I'm going to use that time to sit and breathe or get just onto the ground by my bed and do some yoga I think it's consciousness it's living with awareness and and choosing consciously how you want to put your energy into things that are going to enliven you and vitalize you and more or less I think the phone is in most cases (laughs) whereas the practices will yeah I think that's absolutely right and we all do have the same amount of time in a day and it's just that it would sound so ridiculous if somebody said, oh, I don't have two minutes to brush my teeth. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. So, so yeah, you can fit these things in where there's a will and it's making the choice to do it, knowing that you're doing something nourishing that's going to bring you into that. And again, back to the kosher, it's going to sort of take you from your bodily aches, from your mind going everywhere from your emotions running wild um, yeah and then take you somewhere which is leading you to a place of being able to make wise choices which by the way might also help your time issues (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you know it's interesting because you know for some people it can take a while to get into their stride in terms of their practice Mm -hmm. and you know again the yogic lineage has so many amazing um kind of traditions in that way and 40 days said to be this kind of very sacred amount of time to really bed in practices so you know when people ask me how do you do that that's what I've done you know when I first wanted to make meditation a daily part of my life I'm stubborn and I commit to things when I say I commit to them so I use that stubbornness to its benefit I was like okay for the next 40 days 
I am going to make sure that I practice meditation 20 you minutes a day. Do 40 minutes for 40 days then? 40 days, yeah. 40 days. And, and I, what I did as well is like, yeah. I use my phone to benefit 20 minutes. Yeah. And I wrote down, and maybe it wasn't in a phone, actually, I think it was just in a notebook. But before I started, I wrote down mm-hmm. day one, day two, day three, all the way up to day 40. And then each day I did it. I ticked it off. And don't get me wrong, some days it was like the last thing I wanted to do and it was the yeah. last thing at night. But I was like, no, I am, I've committed to this and I'm going to do it. And I never regretted it. And at those end of the 40 days, yeah. I really noticed the positive changes it had. Oh, and wow. then by then it had become a habit. It had been built into my life in the mm-hmm. same way brushing teeth had. Mm-hmm. And that is also a really helpful way to start to develop consistency in your practices as well. 40 days. I'm going to steal that, Lucy McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do it. Do it. You know, so many things. And actually, after 40 days, you really just start to be like, oh, yeah, cool. That's just a new thing in my life. And I'm sure now, actually, I'm sure they've started to look into, you know, modern you know, yeah. scientists have started to look into it. And yeah, I think actually some, I heard the other day 21 days, but I think 40 days is a, a good, good amount of time to commit yeah, to. Yeah, but 40, 40 sounds good. I think, I think that our next challenge should be a 40 day challenge. And yeah. maybe again, in the comments, people should write to us and find out, like, do you want a 40 day challenge? Do you want to do this? Do you want to? commit and it's just about making it manageable it doesn't don't do something that's unachievable you know yeah yeah I like I like that between 10 and 20 minutes every day for 40 days yeah and if we're all doing it together non-negotiable I love it so it doesn't matter what you're doing that day if you're giving the biggest presentation you're flying across the world to do it and then you're feeding you know 15 children yeah and actually what it's really nice is that you know and I've done this multiple times with different practices Mm -hmm. and for those 40 days it's really nice it just gives your life a little bit of like a different context or a different kind of you know emphasis and I found it really beneficial oh that sounds great okay well that is a really really good I'm I'm almost like wanting to be like okay off I go for 40 days (laughs) (laughs) that's a really great practical way of um of hopefully this is going to land for people and they're going to be like yeah we can we can do this because it is when you do that you then are able to not have an achy body not have an achy mind not have your emotions everywhere you're able to make good choices you know where your life is living you're going to have more aha moments and mm-hmm. then you're going to feel peaceful and feel connected and that one with people like come on yeah. <laughs> well, I, that is a deal. I mean, because, you know, from like, the yogic tradition, mm-hmm. this idea of ritual mm-hmm. is really important, actually. Right. And I think nowadays, especially because less of us are living, some people are, but less of us are living in, you know, in a religious um, mm-hmm. environment whereby that gave us our rituals. Yeah. And I actually, for me, you know, creating my own daily rituals mm. has brought meaning to my life in a really profound way and it's not it doesn't have to be grandiose or huge you know I know you 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 were interested in what you know what my daily practices yeah, were tell me. Practice. okay so they're really you know they're very simple and they're just things that make me feel better so yeah. um and they're doable so my my morning is that the first thing I do is I wake up and I have a uh, hot water with lemon because it makes me feel good and it's yeah. you know good for digestion actually yeah. before that sorry the first thing I do is I yeah. scrape my tongue oh really so the a lot of these are from again from the Ayurvedic tradition mm. which is this 
amazing healing wisdom mm-hmm. body from India. And so I scrape my tongue, which is mm-hmm. said to get all of the toxins from the night before off. Mm-hmm. Then I drink hot water with lemon. Mm-hmm. Then I do neti pot, which is like this little teapot that you yeah. put um, like lukewarm water with a specific amount of salt in. And then you mm-hmm. put it in one nostril and the water goes up and then out the other nostril. And then you do it the other side. And this is how does that massive. make you feel? absolutely amazing like it's like it's like a brain refresher and you know before I mean I've been doing this now for a very long time but Mm. before I started doing daily netty I was someone who always caught colds yeah you know I went on an airplane someone was ill I would get ill Mm. and since doing this daily cleanse you know Mm. cleansing of the nasal passages with the salted water just doesn't happen anymore and this is an ancient practice they've been doing thousands of years so that's what I do then Mm-hmm. And then I always do um, what would be known as a Kriya practice, like these Kriyas, which are like mm-hmm. cleansing practices where I do like these abdominal pumps and then these abdominal churning that's known as Nauli. And it's like my version of coffee, basically. It's incredibly mm-hmm. energizing for the nervous system. It's stimulating. It's awakening. And then that's kind of my morning, like wow. little. That, that, that's fabulous. Yeah. And, yeah. and then do you make a cup of coffee? No, I'm no. too energetically sensitive to drink coffee. It makes me feel really weird. <laughs> Occasionally, I think I'm normal. I can go have I a latte like normal people do. And then more often than not, I try that yeah, and I feel just really oh. Okay, no, it's just not for me. <laughs> oh, interesting. Very yeah. interesting. And then, you know, and then at different times of the day, mm. I, I then find time where I can, you know, do my asana or sit, sit in meditation for however long or short I have on that given day, basically. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Oh, those are really, really, really good practices. I wonder if anybody else does those things. And the other thing I have to say has been a big game changer is that, again, from the Ayurvedic tradition, is that I don't eat breakfast until 12 hours since I ate my dinner. And so you actually break your fast. And the idea is is that you're giving your system 12 full hours Mm. to digest and rest and Oh, I've heard I've heard that there's some there's been a bit of recent science about that. And actually, yeah, having exactly that, having your evening meal really early. Yeah. And then giving yourself a proper 12 hours of no food. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not super, I'm not super scientifically knowledgeable about it. I just know that it makes me feel better. Mm. I have heard that, you know, certain organs are working optimally at certain times. Mm. And actually, I think it's between about 10 and 2 a.m. So, Mm. you know, if you can allow yourself to be ideally asleep and Mm. not eating during those periods, you're just basically letting your body Mm. rest and rejuvenate and, you know, cleanse and clear what you've had during the day. Yeah, that's some um, ancient Chinese medicine would totally agree with that. Interesting, yeah. From Mimi. <laughs> oh, there you go. See, yeah. so much. And it was interesting as well. There's so, there's so much um, shared wisdom across these different traditions, actually. Yeah, yeah. And, and as you said, it all sort of, it all coincides to the same thing. You know, yeah, all, many all roads leading, you know, to mm. the, you know, many different roads, but actually the ultimate goal you know, and the ultimate discoveries are the same. Mm. Oh, it's you fascinating. Know. Well, I really, really have appreciated hearing this, Lucy, because actually you have totally put me back on track. I'm well, now not scared of this grizzly bear, <laughs> the koshers. Good. And I don't think, of, you know, it's, it, it is very practical and down to earth as in the way that you've described it. I'm loving this 40 days to yeah. 
self-discipline to get into the habit that is something I really want to do with the movers and maybe you'll join me for that yeah I'd love to yeah I think that could be a really cool plan well, also, it's quite nice to do it as a little community because I Absolutely. think then it's like you've got that collective support of, okay, yeah. we're on day 15, Ooh, you know, yeah. you have other people. And actually what it is quite good to have almost like to tell someone that you're doing it because yeah. then it's almost like you're speaking out loud and adding to that accountability. Yes. Yeah, sure. Yes. And not yes. as a yes. chore, not as like this horrible, like dreaded, uh, like I think our mm. practices should, you know, ultimately mm. be bringing us joy you know, yeah. some days is easier than others, but yeah. it shouldn't, don't choose something that's going to make you go, oh, I don't want to do it, you know. <laughs> well, I tell you what, why don't we do, everybody, let's do a back to the mat, sort of mid-September, here we are, we're kind of, I think that September is actually a really good time for coming. Yeah, because it's kind of that back to school feeling. Yeah, it? that's it. And it feels like New Year, but maybe even more like New Year than New Year does. Yeah, like, because actually New Year's, everyone's just recovering from yeah, yeah. indulgence. <laughs> yes, whereas summer, you, you know, we've still got that sort of sunshine still in us. We've still got that energy. We just need a little bit of the discipline and commitment. So, well, and also usually, you know, we, we are usually higher energy at this time of year yes. than we are in the winter. So it's, all, it's quite a good time now to kind of get things in place that you want in place for, you know, the coming autumn and winter. Great. Great. Well, let's let's do it. That's fabulous. We're going to be accountable to each other. Yay. (laughs) Well, everybody do send in any questions to Lucy. She's always on the Movers group and answers in the blog, on the podcast. You're so kind. You always dedicate so much time to writing back to people. I do appreciate that, Lucy. Oh, I really love it. It's it's, um, it's so lovely to connect to people that are practicing through the ethers. You know, I just, it's, it's such a lovely thing. Um, yeah, to have all, that. all the people worldwide who follow you, who you've never met. Yeah. It's fabulous. It's so cool. I just love that. It's very, yeah, it's heartwarming. So, what's the beauty you. of what you've created, Kat? You know, you should uh, nah. back. <laughs> it wouldn't be anywhere without you. <laughs> but um, thank you. I really do. Thank you. Thank, thank you for you. having me. Thank you for such a fun and I can't wait for our retreat. That's the next time we're going to catch up in person. So we are yeah. going on retreat together. Lucy's leading our Movement for Modern Life annual retreat in November. Yeah. And I can't wait. That is going to be absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Say, teaching retreats is one of my favorite things to do. Uh, and going because on. Because you can just go so deep and you can just... <laughs> You know, it is a chance to step away from your, you know, your day-to-day responsibilities and roles and really just immerse in the practices. And you just see people transform so quickly and deeply in such a short space of time. It's completely amazing to bear witness to, actually. And I'm like you in the way that you said doing a retreat is sort of non-negotiable. For me, that's the same. I need at least one, probably two retreats a year to keep me back on track remind myself who I am yeah yeah because actually usually when we go on holiday you know Mm. it's just you know lovingly it's filled with activities and adventures but that doesn't always allow for much introspection I actually think you know well part of the yoga practices is introspection is self-study and I think the retreats really allow for that like time for you to just be quiet not answer your emails don't do the laundry don't go to meetings just actually Mm be and just check in with yourself like where am I at right now in my life 
what's going well, what's not going well, what can I do to facilitate the changes that I would lovingly like to invite in, you know? And and also having a group of people who are similarly questioning things. It's always really cool people who I meet on retreats. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's such an interesting commonality as well that this value of community actually of mm-hmm. having a like-minded community and the level of support that gives you on your journey is actually huge oh, it's it's massive and especially for people like me who are online yogis yeah i think having real life humans to see hug yeah <laughs> all the rest of it important it's important it's important it's a lovely thing to do so you I have got your beautiful right. dogs though that you get to you know hug on a daily basis they're pretty good humans they substitute. are great <laughs> they are brilliant yeah they're very 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 loving beings so I they love are. Of love. <laughs> oh. oh lucy thank you so much i've enjoyed this massively and i will Me see too. you in november and i look forward to digging into the koshas and on the 40 day challenge amazing thanks <laughs> all right thank you lots of love lots of love bye. bye well i hope you enjoyed that i must say i got so much from it and uh and now everything sort of makes sense now i can see how those feelings of bliss that i get how that gut feeling when i'm really tuned in how that relates to the yoga that i've been practicing it all just made it so clear and I really hope that it did the same for you so I'd love to hear your comments if you're a movement for modern life mover you can go on to our movers group and let me know what you think otherwise go on to the blog which has got this podcast on that's movement for modern life forward slash podcast and then you'll find that and otherwise please do leave us a review in iTunes if that's where you found us because then other people will be able to find us And I really do appreciate your support and anybody you can tell about the movement, about what we're doing, about how we're championing change and just making health and well-being and moving into your happiest, most sustainable life easy. If you know anyone who'd like that, send them over our way to movementformodernlife.com. So with no further ado, I... Thank you very, very much for all of your support and I look forward to seeing you and hearing from you next time. Bye. Gosh, I really am so enjoying our journey with our Champions of Change, going on a journey of discovery, finding out so many new interesting things and ways that I can live my happier, healthier and more sustainable life. I really hope that you're enjoying this voyage of discovery too. For more information on anything in here, please go to movementformodernlife.com forward slash podcast. And I am so grateful to you for listening in and supporting my mission and the mission of Movement for Modern Life so that we can continue to make a difference in the world. Now for my ask. It really does make a massive difference to us if you could take the time to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you found the podcast so that other people might be able to find this and benefit from all the discoveries I'm making. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so very, very much. I'm so grateful to you. And please do find out more about us and support us at movementformodernlife.com. That's all for now. Catch up with you soon.